Good morning. Well, I know we're doing things different, but I'm going to try and get you out of here at the same time, so I'm not going to keep you longer. want to say congratulations to Angela and Mark <laughs> Lopez, little baby girl, Peyton, right? Is it Peyton? Peyton. She's 12 pounds, 13 ounces. No, uh, I don't know. Just making that up to impress you guys. Yeah. I don't know how big. She's a baby girl and she's doing good. Um, Kachina also is expecting. Also, her, no? She's born? Three o'clock this morning. 29 pounds. Nine pounds. So if your last name is Lopez, watch out. I don't know what's going on here. So congratulations to them. Yesterday, uh, afternoon and evening, we had our Strengths Finders for a couple. And what a great and amazing time. I just have to share with you guys that it was probably one of the most practical and open times of couples sharing that I've ever been to, and it was really a great opportunity. If you have not been through the Strengths Finder, we are going to be doing it again. It might not be the couples thing like we did this last time, but if you haven't gone through it, you really uh, need to be in involved with that. It's a great tool for you in your life, and so I hope you will be involved with those things. Well, we're continuing our series on identity crisis, crisis, who on earth are we supposed to be? And what we're doing is looking at our core values here at Genesis. And, and as I shared a few weeks ago, these core values are actually ones that I have stolen from Mosaic. We are connected with them through this bridge. We're kind of a sister church. And as these things, I have heard Erwin uh, teach on these things and others We've adopted these things in our own community. Again, we're Genesis, and we have our own way of seeing through these things, but they're very helpful. What we're trying to establish here is an environment that produces health. Health for us, health for the community, health for our larger community. We are wanting to become a people that represent Jesus accurately. On your bulletins, we have the statement, embolden one another to begin changing the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. And, and these core values are how we attempt to do that. Last week, we talked about how the reason the church exists, that mission is why the church exists. But today, we're going to move a little bit further because is that the only reason church exists just for mission. I had actually a few people say, well, what about this? Or what about this? And so we're going to talk about what about those things. And I should preface this morning by saying these core values don't encompass everything we believe, but they are the structures that we build on. There's a whole lot more that we involve ourselves with, but these are the core things that hold us together and that direct us. And today we're going to be looking at how love is the context for all mission. And again, I am putting myself on the limb and putting my phone number here. If you'd like to text a question in at the end of the service or the time together, you can, and I'll answer it. Let's see, 
Wait, I got a text already. <laughs> Michael Turner says, I am. <laughs> oh, okay, that was there. Thought he had a deity complex or something. <laughs> so, if you do have a question on any of the things I share today, um, you can text it in and I'll try and answer those things uh, as we go through this together. Love is the context of all mission. The reason we go out, the reason we are sent is because we are compelled by love. It's not because we have to earn God's approval. It's not because we get some kind of notch on our belt. It's not because we're going to make our community bigger. It is because we are compelled by love. I was thinking as I was sitting back there and just contemplating the things that I was going to share, I I was reminded of Jesus' last words to Peter directly in John's gospel. After the resurrection, when Peter talks, or Jesus talks to Peter, and he asks him, Peter, do you love me? And this is, of course, after Peter has denied the Lord three times. And Peter says, Lord, I'm fond of you. You know that. And Jesus again says, Peter, are you totally committed to me? Do you love me? And Peter again says, Lord, you know I care about you. I, I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed my lambs and then feed my sheep. And the third time, he says, Peter, are you really fond of me? Do you care about me? And Peter is grieved because he asked him again. He goes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I am. But you see, what Jesus did is said, if you love me, then you will take care of those who I also love. And love is the context of mission. It's the reason we share what we share. And it's all about this relational environment that we're trying to engage in. When Paul spoke to Timothy in 1 Timothy and he was talking about elders and pastors, he said, if a man can't oversee his own house, then how can he oversee the house of God? And he was trying to bring this understanding of relationship and that this isn't a business. This is a community where people interact. This is a family. And so when we are sharing something important, our faith in Jesus, we're not just telling some people a story. We're not just telling people about our religion. We're telling about something that is a deep part of our lives something that has dramatically changed many of our lives. I know some of your stories, where you were and where you are now, and this is important to us. And that's why we share it with others, because of its importance, because of how it has affected us and we want to see this effect take place with others. So we're going to be looking at how love is the context for all mission. The metaphor that we're using is that of water. It's that of actually community. If you want to be old school religious churchy, you would say the word fellowship. Everyone know fellowship. 
I did a Google search for the word fellowship, and the only time it comes up except for in dictionaries is church functions. So not many people are using that word fellowship except for people who are involved with the church. So the idea of community, I think, is a little bit more involving. And if you ask, well, why do you use words like community instead of, you know, church or scriptures instead of the Bible? We'll talk about that next week. So uh, there's a reason. Community. We want to look at what it means to be a community and why it's so important. And so turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Alex will get you a copy of the scriptures. First John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Go down to verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love God their brother and sister. Most people, when they think about seeking after God or finding God, it has this idea of a a person climbing up this mountain. And, And as they reach the top of this high mountain, there they encounter God. And it's this search, this struggle to find our creator because he is so elusive and it takes so much work to try and find out where he is and who he is and to engage with him. And it requires this effort on our part. But what John is telling us is actually the opposite. He's telling us that God is the one who is engaging, that God is the one who who sent his son, that God is, in fact, love. That God is the one who is in pursuit of us, that we weren't pursuing him. In fact, the reason we love him is because he first loved us. 
And it's so different than maybe how we've been thinking or how we've grown up thinking we have to please God and we have to do these things to earn God's approval. But here what we really see is God is desiring this relationship with us and that he sent his son, then he first loved us, and that he is, and if we live and love, then we live in God and God lives also in us. That God desires this relationship with you and with me. And that actually, we've never seen God, but the way we can know God is there is by how we show this love. It's amazing how if you don't see the entire scripture through this lens of God is love, you can become very confused. But seeing and understanding that God is love makes everything else kind of fall into place. That, that's why David could say in Psalm 63, your love, O Lord, is better than life. People always talk about the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. Well, this statement, your love is better than life, is that an Old Testament statement about God or is that a New Testament statement about God? You see, if God is love, then all the things that he has done is motivated through this love. And so how do we get to understand God? How do we understand this attribute about who God is, that God is love? I mean, we can see God's power in display, the, the cosmos, the universe is on display just shows how vast and awesome God is. A sunset can give us an idea of his beauty and again, inspire us. The mountains are majestic and we see, oh, God has created some amazing thing. The ocean, it's just captivating. But the only way we can truly experience this attribute of God is through community, is through people. That God is seen by how we love. Now, the scriptures tell us God is love, so we know it. But the written word cannot express what the experience of knowing God can. Much in the same way when I was dating my wife, before she was my wife, and... <laughs> that redundant, I know. And she would send me a card, and I sent her all these silly cards. I was going to say stupid, but I better be careful. Too late. Uh, and so I would send her these cards, and she would send me these cards, and they would say, oh, I love you. And it would just mean so much. And it was cool, but it wasn't as good as that hug. In fact, I can remember the first hug that was different. Some of you know what I mean. It wasn't just a, I love you, sister, kind of a hug. It was, I really like you. And it lingered, and it was wonderful. And I'm embarrassing her now. 
But there was an expression that reached beyond the card that grew into the affection, that grew into the relationship, that then had the hug and then the kiss, the endearing things that take place because love isn't sufficient just to stay written. It's not enough that it's just there on a card. It's not enough that it's just written in Scripture, as divinely inspired as this is. It needs to be manifested in our lives. And the only way the love of God can be seen, clearly John tells us, is by how we live and how we love. God is love and he is seen because of how we love. So, our gathering here together, our 10-minute break of you guys talking to one another, getting to know each other, it's not about just, hey, how's it going? And I know I told you to ask some questions. But what this is supposed to be is the opportunity for God to be seen in our lives by how we care and concern ourselves in the lives of others. Few people I know have turned their lives over to Jesus because of a a mental epiphany. You know, I was wondering about creationism and I was wondering about evolution and then I read this article that just made so much sense and I said, you know what, I'm going to accept Jesus now. Most people don't come to faith in that way. Most people come to faith because they see in someone else what they want. I remember in Wales in 2005, a group of us went there and we had these kids who were skaters hanging out and they were just harassing us at the very beginning. They were saying, oh yeah, you Christians, you believe this and you believe this. And they wanted to debate on creation and they wanted to debate on all these philosophies and going on and on and on. But they just kept hanging out with us and hanging out with us and hanging out with us. And after two weeks of time of just hanging out with us, at the end of it, they said they wanted to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. And when I was talking to one of the kids, his name was Ryan, I said, so what made the difference? He goes, I just wanted to be with you guys. I just like who you are. So we didn't change his mind. We didn't even talk about creation evolution. Love won him over because it's what we need and it's who God is. It's one of these cravings that we have within us to to have acceptance, to know intimacy, to be connected to people. It's something we all desire. And there's all kinds of substitutes There's lust, there's sex, there's all kinds of things that we want to fill our lives with, but what we really need is love. And it's this metaphor of water, of quenching that thirst that our souls have. Because if you eat enough sand, pretty soon you realize it is not water, and I need the real thing. I need what will satisfy me. I need love. And John says... By you, God is seen because of how you love. And it's a risk. I mean, it really is. I don't know if you guys remember the first time you said, I love you to your wife. Or maybe it's your girlfriend. 
or those times where you were there. Remember Stephanie at your wedding there on the beach. Everyone was there. It was a beautiful setting. I was the only one in a suit. (laughs) And I remember you guys just looking at each other and you were just all beaming, smiling. Oh, this is wonderful. I remember my own son's wedding, being there with him before his wife Lauren was coming down. And he was so cool and calm all the way through it. He was just, yeah, he's having a great time. And the moment before, I was standing with him and he goes, it's hitting me, it's hitting me. (laughs) And I could just see he was overwhelmed. And as he saw her, he just had to do all he could to hold back those tears. I was so proud of him that I started crying. (laughs) And it was just beautiful to see this expression of love taking place. And when they made those vows and they said they do, it's a a dangerous step. It's vulnerable. Now my life is committed to you. And when you say, I love you, you're putting yourself and your heart out there and saying, "Here, here I am. And that's, what moves us. That's what's supposed to move us. And the way people will see this attribute of God is by how we care. Not by how much we know, but by how we love. Love is what keeps us. The law is there because love isn't. Think about the commandments. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, on on these two rest all the law and commands. You see, if there isn't love, the necessity of the law is there. But if you love God, you are not going to make graven images or take his name in vain. You're not going to do those things. It's not necessary because you love. If you actually love people, you don't have to be told, don't lie to them or don't steal or don't take their husband or their wife. Why? Because you love them. It's not necessary. When there is no love, then the law is necessary. But love trumps the law. It makes the law unnecessary because it is a law that is deeper, that is stronger, that moves us. And that is what's supposed to hold us. We want to build up walls and we want to build up fences and and say, this is how you love God. You don't do this, you don't do this, and you don't do this. But if you love God, you don't want to do what hurts God. And if you love God, then you need to love people. And if you love people, you will treat them the way they should be treated. And when you love them, you are demonstrating to them how God loves them. And so if we are going to go out and take our faith to the world. It has to be under this umbrella of love. Notice too when Jesus said to the disciples in Acts that you will be my witnesses, it was plural. 
He was talking to all of them. He was talking to a community. We are in this together. You can't love alone. You need other people. Now, here's where it gets fun. People. I I love it when couples are dating and they come up to me and they say, oh, yeah, we want to get some marital counseling. And you ask them, well, you know, why do you guys want to get married? And she says, oh, he's just perfect. And you think, you need more time. (laughs) You need to get to know him a little better. I don't know if it's a little earlier or a little later, but you, you need to spend some more time. Or he says, oh yeah, she, she's all that I ever need. Okay, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> or even when people come here and they tell me, you know, oh, I love Genesis. Genesis is just the, the church I've been looking at. It's just perfect. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> you weren't here this morning, were you? You weren't... You know, all it takes, it's like they're on a cliff and they're going to fall off. All it's going to take is getting interaction with one person on a bad day or bad morning. And it's like, wait, what is this place? And, and that's the rub, is the people. I mean, it's no problem loving God. I mean, if, when you know God, you are like the psalmist. You know, your love is better than life. What's not to love? He, he's amazing. He's giving. He's self sacrificing he's unconditionally loving us he has everything to give and nothing to gain what can you give god that he needs but we need everything that he has for us and so loving god is no big deal it's the loving people that's hard because it's not a difficult thing to love someone who's perfect the hard thing is loving people in their imperfections you see, that's when love really shows its colors. When my wife knows me and still loves me, that's changing, life-changing. When I know my kids and all the inconsistencies and problems that they have, but all I do is love them. That's vitalizing. That's what God does with us. And so here we are, a bunch of misfits. I just labeled you all. With our problems, with our shortcomings, with our addictions, with our habits, with our self-centered thinking. And the way God is seen is by how we care for one another. This is the opportunity for God to rise up within our lives and be seen. Turn with me to John chapter 17. We've got a couple more scriptures that we're going to just touch on. John 17, starting at verse 20. 
Jesus' prayer, he said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you see how we are connected to this mission? That the world would know that Jesus was sent by how we are one by how we are connected to Jesus. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When? When they're in complete unity. Then the world will see. Now, unity doesn't mean you have to all believe and do the same thing. Unity means you care, that you love, that you're invested, that your life is committed. You see, I have unity in my family and with my wife. Me and my wife, we get in arguments every so often. Once a year, maybe twice a day. We have arguments, but there is unity. She and I are on the same team, especially raising the kids. Sometimes it's a tag team. Okay, you go deal with them. I'm going to take a break. Okay, I need a break. You know, tag, you're it. I mean, we're in this together. It's a unity. It's by this unity that we make Christ known. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my, see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This love is supposed to be unifying. It's supposed to be transforming. It's what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 24. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you may love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't it amazing of all the ways that God can be known, this God of love? It is by our loving one another. I would think the way the world will know is by the miracles. I'm going to give each one of you a miracle. Just pull it out of your pocket whenever it's necessary. Hey, is that a blind guy I see? Hey, bring him over here. There. Now you believe? I mean, that would be spectacular. I think that'd be cool. Or I'm going to give you superior intellect so that you can put to shame all those who question you. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples because you have this superior intellect. No. He says, because you love each other, the world will know me. How interesting that this is the context of mission. Our 
loving each other, our caring for each other, and how that shows up in our lives. Jesus prayed that we would be one even as he and the Father is one, and that the world would know we are disciples because of this. This is the testimony of God. I I think what we have done is we've confused a, a personal relationship with an individual relationship. Personal is close, but it's also to be in the community. Individual is separate. We focus on individual relationships at the sacrifice of community. Yeah, we have a personal relationship, but we are in this together. We can do more together than we can alone. Jesus didn't go to the disciples and say, I want you to go to just your family and I want you to talk to them. He he started a movement by taking a group of people and said, go change the world. How? How do we do this? How can we show the world who you are by how you care about each other? So what does that look like? What does loving God look like or loving each other look like where we represent God? It it, it looks like being a part of each other's lives. It looks like investing your time in someone or in something together the things that we do or you would do with a group of people actually being involved with those things. It means stepping out of your comfort zone like I asked you to do this morning and go say hello to someone. You see, it's too easy for us to have that individual relationship with God. I know I'm a follower of Jesus. I know I love God. I'm good. And then we come here and we leave and we stay with our pack and we go with our own little group. And where is God seen in this? How is there a connection? But when you actually take this person who's very outgoing and you take this person who is very creative and you put them together and you have bam peanut butter and chocolate you have you know you have something that moves together something that's wonderful because they complete what needs to be completed It doesn't happen. We need other people. We need each other, but we keep resisting and wanting to be individuals. And so the challenge for us this morning is to step into others' lives, to step into the community, to be a part of Genesis or whatever community you choose to be a part of. Be a part of it. I don't know what to do. You can do something. You can help somewhere. Sometimes when a person walks in, all they're looking for is one person who will say hello and be friendly. You can do that. Just stepping out of that comfort zone and being a part of someone else can make a huge difference. And so I have never been one to try and push you guys to be involved with the things that we do. You know, last night when we had our couple strength finder, I I so wish that more people were there. 
we had a small group, and I was thinking, this is so helpful. I wish there were so many more people who would be here. If you had to work, if you had something, you can't be there. But if there was an opportunity for you to be involved and to develop this relationship, not only with your wife or boyfriend or girlfriend, but with the community, why not? We need you here. We really do. Not to do things. Yeah, we need that too. Like children's ministry, that's always a helpful thing. We, we need that. But what we really need is just you. Being present and showing up. And being involved with the lives of those around you. Your presence here matters. Not because I want a lot of people here. It matters because you can make a difference you are the opportunity for God to be seen, the God of love. I know it's a lot of responsibility, but it's a great privilege. Okay, I've got a text. I like the 10 minute fellowship. Oh, wait. <laughs> community time that we had this morning. Okay. Here's one. John 13, 24 and 25. Was that the accurate verse? 30, 13, 34. 34, I'm sorry. Thank you. 13, 34, and 35. Thank you for that, Ashley, and for Ted asking. Any other mistakes I made? Let's pray. Father, if we are going to be a community that represents you, it's going to take all of us. The more we are committed to you, the more we are going to be committed to each other. I pray, God, that you would help us in this endeavor, that we would establish a community that honors you, that we would not only have the desire to, to be sent and to go and represent you, but we would do it in love, that we'd be motivated by love, that we would desire to see the power of who you are change who we are and allow you to continue that work within each of us. Father, it's difficult for many of us to get out of our shells and to extend ourselves, but it's what we really desire. It's what we want. We are here hoping that we can connect to you and maybe even to other people, that we can develop those friendships, those relationships that would strengthen us, that we could have someone that we could call when we're feeling alone. And just go have coffee. That we could come alongside and, and have someone help us when we're trying to make a difference. Lord, help us to step out. May we recognize that when we do this, 
we are opening an opportunity for you to be seen, that the world would know who you are by how we treat each other. God, may this be a core of who we are, and may you continue to establish us in this, in Je- in this community, Genesis, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.